Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. It's going to happen in one hour. Very suddenly, it's never happened before, it's yet future, it's going to happen. In one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, they stood at a distance and they cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, Who, what is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they cried, weeping and wailing, This great city. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio with Senior Pastor and Teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes Chapter 18 in the Book of Revelation. We learn today that the earth's merchants mourn over the destruction of Babylon. The long list of things destroyed needs little explanation, except to note these are all luxuries, not necessities. It's plain to see that the mourning is rooted in self-interest for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Those who live for the luxuries of commercial Babylon will be tormented. Ultimately, hell will be the place of unfulfilled desire. Now here's Pastor Rob. Of an Arab dwelling at Babylon in 18, around 1899. You can see a man up there. He's, he's dwelling in it. And yet the Bible says that it's not going to be inhabited. It's going to be without inhabitant, that there's going to be nobody around. It's going to be desolate for for good. And if God says it, he means it. And this is further proof that God says what he means, means what he says. When he says that it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And folks, it's yet future to us because these photos don't lie. There's even a mosque uh, that's pitched on some of the ruins there in uh, Babylon right now. There's a picture of it right there. And not only that, but Saddam Hussein. When he came into power uh, from 1979 until 2003, he saw himself as like Nebuchadnezzar reincarnate. And he wanted to build Babylon back to its former glory days. And you remember in the Gulf War, when we went over there and destroyed a lot of things, the Allied forces in the United States, they didn't shoot down and blow up all of his mansions, all of his palaces. You're going to see pictures of them in just a second. Because those things remained. And that's going to be the very foundation, we believe, of what is coming yet. They're beautiful buildings. They spent millions and millions, billions of dollars on these things. And so Babylon is just waiting for the church to go bye-bye. Babylon is waiting for the church to be removed. And it can continue its progress. And the unchurched person could care less. Oh, cool, Babylon. I've heard about that. 
Anybody with any kind of discernment knows that nothing good happened in Babylon, and neither anything good will happen in Babylon. But to the, uh, to the unchurched, unregenerate man, they're going to think it's really awesome. Hey, we're returning to our foundation. That sounds like such a good thing, doesn't it? Sounds very patriotic. Sounds very, ah, we're finally coming back to the beginning, back to our source, our origin again. Boy, that feels so good. It sounds so good, but it's so deadly. Saddam Hussein was rebuilding it. In fact, the, re- the rebuilders who were building the palaces right on the foundation of Nebuchadnezzar's palace, they actually he built his palace right on the foundation of Nebuchadnezzar's palace. They spent and they, they, they took bricks and they kilned, they kilned them, they kiln dried them so that they would last for a long time. Millions and millions of bricks they, bent, they, they, they put in to uh, rebuild Babylon. And on each of those bricks, guess what it says inscribed on the side of the brick? Rebuilt in the era of our president, Saddam Hussein. Wow, how modest of him. But it already has a foundation. Here are some pictures the rebuilt walls of Procession Street rise from the ruins of ancient Babylon. We see also that the government actually had plans to build the Tower of Babel, the ziggurat that they were planning on building. They didn't get that far because Saddam was captured, if you remember, and he was running around the country until the Allied forces caught him. And can I just tell you a little story that does my heart some good? I probably shouldn't say this, but I probably will. Saddam Hussein, remember when he was in that little foxhole and they finally found him in Tikrit, I think it was? Somebody had told me who knows the guy who was there. They opened the hole and they saw Saddam. And, and Saddam, you know, realized he was caught and he was done. Um, that he, he, he actually swore at one of the soldiers. And, and the soldier just reached down and just gave him one. And, um, and that's probably not a really nice thing to say, but I just, in passing... I'll share it with you. But, um, but he had it coming, didn't he? Think of the millions of people that he murdered. The Kurds that he murdered with mustard gas, tortured them. His day has come, and his day did come, didn't it? But we also see in Babylon, even today, the entrance to Saddam Hussein's palace at night. It looks beautiful. And you can also see the walls of Babylon built on the original foundations here. So there's already, you know, a reconstruction of the, of the, of the pagan temple of uh, Ninmak, viewed from the Ishtar Gate. Uh, the Ishtar Gate has been rebuilt half size, and it's all blue and looks really beautiful. I didn't get a picture of that for you, but it's a really beautiful place. But Babylon is already being built. It already has its foundation. And this picture is really interesting because it shows Saddam Hussein's palace overlooking Nebuchadnezzar's palace. You can see it off in the distance. Nebuchadnezzar, or, um, Saddam Hussein's palace, and his palace actually looks down upon one of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's palace because, you know, naturally Saddam Hussein wanted to be, in, you know, in superior over his ancestor, right? He was a very modest man. I don't know if you knew that. But um, so those are some pictures that Babylon has already taken shape and it's all ready to go. Once the church is removed, it will start building again. When that's going to start, we don't know. 
But it's already in the works. So back in our text in verse 11, it says, Now the merchants of the earth, they will weep and they'll mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood and bronze and iron and marble, verse 13, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and I love this one, this is, actually I don't love it, it's just interesting, and bodies and souls of men. Bodies and souls of men. When I think of the bodies of men, I think of human trafficking. Certainly, this has been the buzzword in the last 10 years. It was always going on, but it's been really uh, heightened uh, as of late. In fact, a man, a man who used to fellowship with us is now working down in Florida, and he was partly responsible for one of the biggest human trafficking busts in the history of that state. But the bodies and souls of men, and I think of the souls of the men, and you think of how many people have been seduced by the, uh, the false apostate religious system. Notice in verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. You're going to see a lot of things that say no more at all. Your doom is, is coming. Uh, your goose is cooked. And all these things are no longer going to happen any longer. You're going to see that happening. You're going to see that as we read. But notice in verse 15 of our text, the merchants of these things who become rich by her, they're going to stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Notice in verse 17, for in one hour, in one hour, it's going to happen in one hour, very suddenly, it's never happened before, it's yet future, it's going to happen. In one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, they stood at a distance and they cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, Who, what is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they cried, weeping and wailing, this great city which is yet future, saying, alas, alas. In other words, this is so grievous. Everything, the foundation is being pulled out from underneath of us. That great city in which all who had ships in the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour, there it is again. I don't know if it could be any clearer. (laughs) The Lord is telling us, no, it didn't. It's never been destroyed, but it's going to be destroyed in one day, in one hour. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, heaven. Notice that. Is it okay to delight over the destruction of something? Well, heaven is going to rejoice, and I think we will too. Not because of the loss of life, because we know that God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, but isn't there a wonderful... um, There's nothing wrong with rejoicing when, when evil is vanquished and truth and righteousness is upheld. We should rejoice. When truth and righteousness prevail, no one wants to see anybody die. God doesn't delight in it. It breaks his heart, actually. But there comes a time when, the, when your rope, you come to the end of the rope and there's no other hope for you. That's why it's so important to receive Christ today. Don't wait around for these things. 
Verse 21, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you any more. No craftsman of any craft will be found in you any more. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. In verse 23, The light of a lamp shall not be shine in you any more, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you any more, for your merchants shall were the, your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. All the nations are deceived by her delicacies. And they will be. So notice the six things that aren't going to occur in Babylon anymore. The first one is it'll be thrown down. It shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard. Craftsmen, gone. The sound of the millstone, gone. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you any more. All the things that we would look for in a civilized society, especially a godly society, music and dancing, these things are all wonderful and good. They are all going to be absent because she will be destroyed in a moment, in a moment. And notice the mighty angel in verse 21, it says, took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Remember in Daniel, at the end of Daniel's explanation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, where it says the, the stone made without hands like a mountain is going to come and it's going to hit the feet of that statue which represents all the kingdoms of the world and it's all going to come crumbling down. Who is that rock, that mountain that crashes the foundation? Notice it didn't start at the head. It hit the, hit the feet because if you take out the feet, everything falls. Jesus is that rock. When he comes back, and I'm looking forward, when we come back in the new year, on that second Sunday, I believe it's the 10th of January, we're going to start in Revelation 19, and we're going to talk about the second coming of Christ. I can't wait to get there, because finally, things are going to take a different tone after, uh, in the beginning of 19 and onward, it's going to be a completely different thing. Finally, we're going to see righteousness thwarting the plans of evil and having complete victory over it. But notice this angel took up a stone like a great millstone, threw it in the midst of the sea. Thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. I think the judgment is pretty severe. I think it's very final. There's a finality here that has never been known up until that time. I think we proved that, right, through the scriptures. We looked at Isaiah. We looked at Jeremiah. When it happens, it's going to happen very suddenly, and it's never happened suddenly. So it, it is yet future to us. And it tells us right here in 17 and 18 that that's what's going to happen. The very end of end things. You recall in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus, and we'll take communion here in just a few moments, In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, But whosoever causes one of these little ones who, to, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him 
if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. And so we see Babylon is, partial, is, is very much responsible for a great deal, and God is going to cast her like a millstone. He's going to cast a millstone in the ocean, signaling the f- finality of her destruction, of her end. She'll never be remembered again. It'll never be inhabited while we are living with Christ on the earth for a thousand years. Are you looking forward to that? Can you believe it? I mean, it's, it's like really going to happen. We're going to be living with him in new bodies for a thousand years, and then it gets better. Then a new heavens and a new earth. This one is going to dissolve like fervent heat, Peter tells us, and then we are going to be with him. That is the eternal state. That's where we're going to be, and we'll have this new body that can withstand all this stuff. No more tears, no more crying, no more disease, no more masks. No more quarantining and shutting down small business. But it's okay for Walmart and these other big places to be, but shut down mom and pop and crush the economy so we can get our wicked agenda through. Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Wicked agenda. It's so wicked. It's so wicked. It's Babylon. And I'm not saying that uh, our president, uh, I I won't go there. He's not the problem. But Jesus said, whoever causes one of these little ones to sin, it will be better for a millstone. And that's exactly what the reference here is making. I'm going to have my final end, my final end to it. Final, one final verse, and then we'll take communion together. You never knew and never thought I could get through an entire chapter. Go ahead. (laughs) I'm shocked, too. Honestly, we could have spent at least two weeks on this, but I really don't want to beleaguer it. But I'm having a lot of fun, I'll be honest with you. I'm enjoying these things. I'm learning so much. Never had to, this is the first time that I brought a congregation through the book of Revelation, and I just wanted to give it everything I got, you know. And so, um, although I do apologize, I don't apologize. Uh, because I have, uh, I had to get my head around this. I've never been here before. And uh, i got to be honest, it's been one of the most enriching things of my life to do that. Final verse, though, for today. In Jeremiah 51, beginning in verse 59, let me just read a short passage, and then we'll get into communion. It says, the word which, and, and again, this is speaking of Babylon, again, and prophesying of Babylon's end. The word which Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sarahiah, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, when he went with Zedekiah, the king of Judah, to Babylon in the fourth year of his reign, and Sarahiah was the quartermaster, and so Jeremiah wrote in a book all the evil that would come upon Babylon. Now, the thing you have to remember is that in those chapters that we talked about, there were passages that were for the time that Babylon was going to be um, um, uh, dominated by the Medes and the Persians. There's, there's things in there that talk about that. But then there's other passages that clearly speak of a different time. You have to remember the prophets, as they were looking through time, as they would prophesy, they, they, were, they were thinking like this. Right, and they, they didn't understand that they were going to be. Um, uh, they didn't understand how many years would transpire between one vision or another. But looking through it, you can see that some of those things were very uh, succinctly fulfilled during the time of Babylon, during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, and the and the 
and all of that. But there's also a great number of scriptures that speak of, and we've looked at some of them today, that speak of future Babylon when it will finally be destroyed. Okay, So just take that in mind as you read. If you get a good commentary, you can read through those things and kind of make sense. Because I'll be honest with you, it takes some doing to kind of see it and uh, to go through it. But going back here, uh, it says, And Jeremiah said to Sarah, When you arrive in Babylon and see it and read all these words, meaning the book of Jeremiah, then you shall say, O Lord, you have spoken against this place to cut it off, so that none shall remain it in it, neither man nor beast, but it shall be desolate forever which it's never been, but it will be. Now it shall be, when you have finished reading this book, that you will shall tie a stone to it and throw it out into the Euphrates. Another millstone. Tie a rope, tie something around this and throw it in the Euphrates. And then you shall say, Thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. And so there it is. We see now this angel taking up a great millstone, throwing it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall be found no more. All of her plagues, all of her sorceries will come to an end. You know, there's, there, there's something about the release of having things finally come to, a, to fruition Sort of like the way we feel right now. We're waiting upon the, the still the results and all the shenanigans and the crookery. We're still trying to figure that out. And we're still wanting, desiring with everything in us to, be, to go back to some kind of normalcy like before. It's like we're, we're in this tension and it's so... Everyone in the country, everyone in the world is just dying for a release of this. That's unbearable. There have been times in my life since this has been going on that it became so unbearable to me. I'll be honest with you, and I think it's robbed some of you of what the Lord, I think, wanted me to be able to be. Because I had my head in so many things. And being in Revelation at this time, it was all piecing together very clearly to me, and it scared the daylights out of me. It wounded me and is wounding me, but I, I think the Lord is, is helping me around that corner because I know I can't stay in that place for much longer. It's destroying me on the inside. And so this, at the end, will be that sweet release. Finally, when it all comes... That's why I'm so looking forward to Genesis, or I'm sorry, Revelation 19. After we get through Jesus coming back and the final death blow to the world and its kingdom and its system, it's going to be wonderful. I don't know about you, I'm look, really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to righteousness. No longer. Judges of the Supreme Court, local and federal, hiding behind their chairs, not doing the right thing for fear. No longer legislators and governors and mayors hiding because they've been bought by foreign governments. When Jesus returns, there'll be none of that. 
there'll be only his reign and he'll rule with a rod of iron for that thousand years. It's not going to be the exact utopia that we're looking for, but it's going to be wonderful because we know that there's going to be no impeachment proceedings. That we know that there's not going to be any nonsense. And when it does, he's going to squash it pretty quickly. When rebellion rises up, within the heart of man, there's that desire for restitution. It's justice, holy justice. There's nothing wrong with holy justice. Holy justice. There's the, the key word. The adjective, holy... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.